Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Not Hebrew School, our podcast about the weekly Torah portion. I am Aaron Eisman, a rabbi at New York University and Lower Manhattan Schools. This is Elizabeth Savetsky, a graduate of NYU, an old friend. And uh, how are you, Elizabeth? I am phenomenal, Rabbi E. Much better now that I'm talking to you and getting some Torah in my life. So thank you. It's uh, it's 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 on on every time we learn Torah, you feel better. It's oh, wow. uh, incredibly predictable. Instead, so, uh, the the uh, Torah allows us. You know, we know our body gets hungry. We our body gets tired when we didn't eat. Our soul gets down and disconnected and blah when we don't learn Torah. So I sometimes have a certain challenge for myself. You know, you're walking down the street, you hear different conversations. I try to hear conversations that are focused on making the world a better place. So many times you hear conversations that I told him, she said this, he said that, you know, I yelled at my boss, that was so bad. You know, sort of like just gossipy conversations. And let's be attuned to listen to inspirational conversations and let this podcast and uh, Torah study in general uh, allows us to tap into our true potential. And uh, just like food is necessary for the body, Torah is necessary for our soul. So let us jump into this week's Torah portion. Elizabeth, are you ready? I was born ready. Hold on tight. Let's do this. So we finished the book of Genesis. And this new book is called the book of Exodus Shamos. The reason why it's called Exodus is because of the... Exodus? Boom! The Exodus of Jewish people from slavery. But before there could be an Exodus, there has to be slavery. So this week, this book transitions from... Genesis into slavery in Egypt. Now, interestingly, the book of Genesis was about a lot of individuals. There was, it was Adam and then Noah and then Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes, a lot of individuals. Shemos transitions to not individuals, but the Jewish people as a whole. So as, a, as the book starts, the end of last week's Torah portion, it, the, the whole book of Genesis was how the Jewish nation landed in Egypt. And if you if, uh, check it out, it's an amazing story. It's, a, it's so many lessons. But the Jewish nation is in Egypt with uh, Jacob and Joseph and all the, all, the, all the tribes. And eventually Jacob dies and Joseph dies. And the, the forefathers and the 12 tribes all pass away. And a new king comes on to Egypt. Asher lo yada as Yosef. He doesn't know Joseph. Now, it's a very strange thing. Joseph saved the land of Egypt for 80 years of famine. He, sa- he basically saved the entire population, perhaps the entire world, from starving and famine. He was a national hero. It's like sort of the president of the United States coming and saying he didn't know George Washington or he didn't know Abraham Lincoln, did, right? So what does it mean he didn't know Joseph? He chose not to know Joseph. Right, he chose to forget. If it, either it was a new king who chose not to know him, or it was the same pharaoh, and he just he 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 conveniently forgot what Joseph did. And yeah. this week's Torah portion is the first case, at least that I know of, of anti-Semitism. 
right? The, the first time of anti-Semitism because the Jewish nation is living in Egypt with the Egyptians. Jewish people are different. Yeah. And the Egyptians are uncomfortable having people that are different and they're dressing different and they have a different language. And the first rumblings of anti-Semitism come, which as we know, have plagued their people throughout thousands of years of exile. And the Egyptians are afraid and they say, let's say they're becoming so numerous. Let's say an enemy comes from outside, attacks us, and the Jewish people side with their enemy and, and, they, and they knock us out of our land. We have to start dealing with the Jewish problem. And they make a plan and they have a, everybody, the Egyptians, the Jews, they have them all working to build these cities. And slowly but surely, the Egyptians stop working and the Jews have to continue to work and they stop being paid for their work. And slowly but surely, the Jewish people are slaves to the Egyptians. And it's crushing labor. And they make the men do women's jobs, the women do men's jobs. They do everything they could to beat down the Jewish people. And during this time, Pharaoh sees in the stars or his stargazers see that the savior of the Jewish people is coming. And he gets very paranoid and very worried. Listen to this crazy decree. He decrees that any male baby has to be thrown in the water and killed. And there's two heroic midwives disagreeing exactly who they were, but their nicknames were Shifra and Pua. And Shifra and Pua are commanded by the dictator to throw the baby boys into the water. But Shifra and Pua defy the decree and they let the babies live. And the Jewish people are expanding just parenthetically. It's a beautiful idea. I heard from Rabbi Yisachar friend. It's interesting that Shifra and Pua are called Shifra and Pua well, Shifra means actually to beautify the baby, and Pua means to coo, to, um, to sort of Pua, to poo, 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 to coo to the baby. Why, if you, if somebody saves a life, you know, call them salvation, savior, Hatsala, reva, like there's much more grand things than pooing at a baby or beautifying a baby. That seems insignificant to saving the life of a baby. And he points out, that perhaps many people would save the life of a baby, but their true greatness was that they not only saved the life, but they also beautified and cooed to the baby. They went to the extra mile to, to make the baby beautiful and happy and take care of the small things and not just saving their life. It's just, just an interesting idea. So the Jewish men stopped having babies. They, they, didn't want to, they didn't want to have children. Why would you have children if 50% of your children are going to be killed? And here's another amazing incident in Jewish history where the Jewish women saved the day because they seduced their husbands. They, they, they used mirrors to beautify themselves, to get encourage their husbands to be with them. And just interestingly, those very mirrors that they used to encourage their husbands or to beautify themselves so that they could encourage their husbands to be with them so that the Jewish nation would continue. Those mirrors were donated long, much later for the kiar, the basin. The basin was used for the coin gadol to wash, 
before connecting to God. So the women donated those mirrors that were used for connection for the high priest to use to connect to connect uh, the Jewish people to our Father in Heaven. So that's um, just a very, very interesting. I, I love this. You know, vanity at its finest. Yeah, well, that's what it, you know, the yeah. you get, um, husband and wife being together is the holiest of the holy. You know, in the Holy of Holies, there's a, there's a, uh, the, the Keruvim, the cherub, right? That's, it's a, it's a, it's a male and a female embracing the, a, a man, a husband and wife together, you know, although it's been, uh, it's been, uh, we, we live in a, such a sex up society that it's considered dirty, but really the, the, the union of a husband and wife is uh, is the most holy is most, and it's in the holy of holies. That's uh, it's a, it's a, it's an incredibly holy act. So, so the women encourage their wives to be together, and and Yucheved actually, uh, I'm sorry, Miriam, uh, Miriam uh, said to her father, the the Amram, uh, the uh, uh, Miriam said to her father, this you're worse than Pharaoh. Pharaoh is only decreeing against the boys and you're by you separating from your wife and because you're the leader of the nation everyone's separating from their wives so you're worse than pharaoh because pharaoh's decreeing against the boys and you're decreeing against the boys and the girls and you're pharaoh's only killing us in this world and you're killing us in both worlds in this world and the next world because they're not being born so they can't have reward in the next world yeah so so uh miriam encourages uh, her parents get married and they have another baby and the savior of the Jewish people is born. What is the name of the savior of the Jewish people? Moshe. Incorrect. <laughs> it's a trick question. Yes, his name was Moshe, but that actually wasn't his birth name. His name was either Tobio or Avigdor. There's different opinion exactly what his name was, but the name that he was given was Moshe. Why was he given that name? So let's here's the story. So a man went. So the the uh, man went from the house of Levi. Bikach, his boss Levi. He, he he a man got married and Moses was born. Moshe was born, and she was afraid that he was going to be thrown into the river. So she hid him for three months, and when she could no longer hide him, she put him in a basket. In the river, and this beautiful idea that by putting him in a basket in the river, perhaps the stars would lie that he was already thrown into the water, and Pharaoh would no longer be killing the the firstborn the, the boys because he, Moses, the savior, was already in the river. So he's floating in the river. Moshe is in a basket. This baby boy, Moshe or Tovia, but his name is uh, Moshe later on, is floating in the river. And the daughter of Pharaoh sees him in the river and she takes pity on him and she pulls him out of the river and she, and, and she looks for a, a wet nurse to, to raise him. And Moshe is raised in the, in the palace of Pharaoh, which is an incredible, incredible idea that the Jewish people are suffering from this crushing labor, but the salvation has already been born and the seeds of salvation are growing. And even though the Jews who are suffering from the slavery don't know it yet, the salvation is on the way. And we need to internalize that in our own lives. If we're going through a hard time, it's just a matter of time 
until the salvation arrives. So these people are, are crushing slavery and Moshe is growing up under the nose of Pharaoh in, in the palace of Pharaoh. So Moshe grows up and he is tw about 20 years old. And he goes out to see the suffering of his people. That's the first act. The first thing we know about Moses, he was a baby. He obviously didn't, you know, didn't do much. He was just floating in a basket. But as soon as he's of age, he's 20, he goes out to see the sun, right? A prince in the palace can be, you know, just relaxing, taking, you know, long walks or hanging out, right? He's a prince, but he goes out to see the suffering of his brethren. And he sees a an Egyptian about to kill another Jew. He's hitting him and Moshe strikes down and he kills the, uh, the oppressor. And the next day he goes out and he sees two Jews fighting. Again, Egyptian against a Jew, he sticks up for justice. A Jew against a Jew, again, he sticks up for justice. And the Jew that he yells at says, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And he says, oh my gosh, the matter is known. And he runs and he has to run away because he realized that Pharaoh is going to kill him. So he runs away and he arrives in Midian. And again, he encounters another injustice. And the, this is between two non-Jews, two, two non-Jewish parties. The uh, Midianite shepherds are harassing or uh, not allowing uh, the, the girls. Uh, Yisro's daughter, Jesra, was a priest. Later on, we're going to see that Yisro was a, becomes a father-in-law of Moshe. And he sort of abandoned the idols. And therefore, his daughters were sort of outcasts. And uh, the shepherds weren't allowing them to shepherd their sheep, their, uh, to, to drink, drink from the well. So Moses saves them. They go home. They tell their father. And their father, Yisrael, says, invite him home. You know, he saved you. Invite him home. A Jewish boy. And uh, he ends up marrying Zipporah, the daughter of Yisrael. That are Jewish? They were not Jewish. Well, nobody was really Jewish because uh, they, no, yeah. but they, she she was not she, right. She was she she was not a she. Nobody was Jewish. The Torah wasn't given yet, but uh, no, she was not. She was uh, she was a daughter. She was from Midian, and um, and she and and she married she married Moses, and uh, this is before the Torah is given, and that is that is a story. That is the story. That's all we know about Moshe. We know some, you know, he stuck up for justice. But for the next 60, 60 years, right, from 20 till 80, he's, he's just a shepherd. He's a shepherd shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. And it's interesting. We'll come back to this hopefully shortly. But he, he's just a shepherd for 60 years. And he's shepherding his sheep one day, and he notices a burning bush. Remember the story? He notices a burning bush. And the bird, the bush is on fire and it's not burning. And a voice comes out to him and God speaks to him from the burning bush. And he says, Moshe, I want you to go save your, the, the cry of the nation has come out to me. We have to go save your, your people. And Moshe is like, who am I? Well, I'm, I'm a nobody. And for a full week, a full week, Moshe is arguing with God. He doesn't want to go. He's too humble. He can't do it. He, no, he can't do it. Until finally he agrees. And he heads to Egypt. And he tells the Jewish people, I'm here. God sent me to save you. And the Jewish people are very nervous. Don't make things worse. It's bad enough, right? right? It's like, you know, it's like when your kids help you in the kitchen, right? It's like, when they, oh, mommy, can I help you? It's like, you know, 
like sometimes my wife jokes. I'm like, you know, what took so long? Well, I had a lot of helpers, right? So, so, so sometimes it's like, no, thank you. I don't want your help. But so Moshe said, I'm here. I'm here to save you. They're like, you know what? Just my, uh, my brother was. Don't make it worse. Right, exactly. My brother told me a funny story. He was flying uh, on a private jet. He's, uh, it's not, you know, he was somebody who was flying him in for business. And, and he's, he was the first time on a private jet. I think the last time also. And uh, it was like this small little jet. And uh, those, I've never been on one, but uh, apparently the, the pilot is also the, uh, the flight attendant. So the, the flight, the, the, the plane is flying and the guy, you know, he does like autopilot and he comes out and he says, hi, you know, the, can I get you something? Can I get you something to drink? My brother, you know, you just fly the plane, okay? I'll, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need a drink. Just fly the plane, all right? It's just funny. Anyway, so Moshe comes. I, I'm come to save you. They're like, you know what? It's fine. We're, we're okay. Don't, don't save us. So Moshe and Aaron go to Pharaoh, and they say, God wants you to free, free the people. And Pharaoh says, um, if you have time, to ask for freedom, obviously you're not working hard enough. And until now, I've been giving straw to the Jewish people to make bricks. Now their quota of bricks is going to be the same, but they have to, but they have to find their own straw. And and you know, can you imagine the feeling of Moshe and Aaron and the entire Jewish people as they left? What complete and total failure that things were crushing labor so terrible crushing labor and just when you thought it couldn't get any worse destruction absolute we try to save we try to try to do what's good and absolute destruction and the this portion ends there and in complete and total darkness but the exit but as we know the this is the beginning of salvation just when things they hit rock bottom when things couldn't get any worse that's when we. That's that's when salvation comes. So I want to just highlight um, for us a, a very important question, and that is Moshe, right? Moshe is the ultimate Jewish leader. Moshe is the ultimate, you know, our, our leader took us out of Egypt, received the Torah. What did Moshe do that was so great? You see, the Torah is really a guidebook for us, right? We're not we're not learning history that about what happened. It's a guidebook for us about how we can apply to our lives. How can we apply the lesson that Moshe teaches? What is the lesson? That Moshe talks to God for, for, and, and, and he merits to take the entire nation out of Egypt and, and he is our hero. What did Moshe do to become? No one's born great, right? Our religion doesn't believe in being born great. He became great, but we don't, really know how he became great yes he he did all we know is those three acts of justice he stuck up for a jew against an egyptian he stuck up for justice jew against jew he stuck up for justice non-jew against non-jew he there's also a measure said that he chased after a small sheep that was wandering away he stuck up for animals you know so he was into justice but i mean there's a lot of nice people that stick up for justice what did moshe do to separate himself from the rest of the us and merit to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. What do you say, Mrs. Savetsky? Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that, you know, he was 
given like such a pleasant, comfortable life. And then, um, and instead of like just embracing that and like being comfortable, he fought for what was right. You know, it's, it's easy. Um, it, you know, it would be a hard thing to do to like sacrifice all the comforts that he had. So you're right. You're right. It's great. But I mean, that seems whatever. There's a lot of nice people. I, you're right. I, I'm not minimizing that. You're right. He's growing up in the palace. It'd be much easier to sort of turn his head and not focus on the suffering of his brethren. But he went out and he not only was with them, but he actually stood up for justice and he and he risked his life to save another person's life. So that's that is great. But it seems that to be the greatest, there has to be more. There's got to be there's got to be a little bit more. So it's an interesting thing. There is every Jewish leader are seven main Jewish leaders: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Yosef. Uh, King David, Avram, it's a Moshe Aaron David, right? Avram, it's a Yaakov, Yosef, Moshe Aaron David, right? The, the, the seven, they're all shepherds. So Moshe was a shepherd for 60 years or just under 60 years. What does shepherding, how does shepherding make a person great? And how can we become a shepherd so we can also be great? I don't know if you have any sheep out there in uh, in Texas. You have certainly yeah, have more street, but no sheep. Certainly more sheep than they have here in Jersey. We have a but, lot of cows here, but yeah. <laughs> so the question is, how does shepherding make somebody great? And the lesson is, my friends, that when you're a shepherd, you're able to tune out the crazy noise around you there's a lots of alone time and you're by yourself and you can when you're by yourself you have time to think and you look out at the world and you're like where did this come from who made those trees who made those grass who made those mountains who made this river who made this beautiful sheep who made me how come i could walk and i could see and i could hear and i could talk and i could i could balance and i could smell and and the, the wonders of creation and you look around the world in every single thing you see uh you see here's a pen right if somebody said this just happened you would say you're insane right if uh, here's a cup right you say oh no it just happened you'd say you're insane you look out at the world you say it just happened it doesn't make any sense how could it just happen how could this incredible world just happen and throughout look through looking at the world the beauty of the world he said wow there must be a creator. And that means if there is a creator, then the creator has to still be here because otherwise who created the creator? The creator has to be infinite. The creator has to be everywhere. That means the creator is here right now. That means I can talk to the creator. And for 60 years, 60 years, Moses was in the wilderness talking to the creator, saying, thank you, Hashem, that I could see. Thank you, Hashem, for saving my life. Please, Hashem, help my family. Help my brethren who are suffering in Egypt. Thank you for making that tree. Thank you for making that sky. You made that beautiful world. And talking to, to the Creator, being grateful to the Creator, communicating with Creator. And that's what he did. And that is a secret to greatness. And King David and all of our forefathers spent a tremendous amount of time alone 
communicating with the creator. And when I communicate with the creator, I'm able to achieve true greatness. Why? Because true greatness is realizing that minimizing my ego and realizing where my, my talent, if I see my eyesight, well, no, no one ever, no one ever is conceited about that. I have strong eyesight, right? Oh, look, I have such good eyesight. I have better eyesight than you. But sometimes we get conceited. I'm smarter than you. I'm better looking than you. I'm richer than you. I have more degrees than you. I have more followers on Instagram than you. Whatever it is, we get, we get conceited about our accomplishments. The more I communicate to my creator, the more humble I become. Moses was the most humble of all men. The most humble. We don't usually equate humility and greatness. We, right? we think it's two separate things. The humble guy is the guy in the back of the, sh- the, back of the shoulder. The guy is sort of not talking to anybody. He's the humble guy. No. True greatness, are hum- true leaders are humble. Why? Because they realize that they realize that they, they themselves are nobody, but with God, they're, they're incredible. Moses knew he was a leader. Moses knew he was incredibly talented. Our leaders knew that they're leaders, but they knew where their greatness came from. Where did it come from? From allowing the infinite into our lives. How does it happen for when you're a shepherd? Because when you're a shepherd, you're sort of able to quiet the noise, right? But to, to, to create an oasis for yourself where you could just focus on God. You could just focus on the infinite. And the more I focus on the infinite, the more I'm connected to the infinite. And I realize my true greatness comes from that infinite. And of course, I'm humble. I'm not, I'm not considered, oh, I'm smarter than you. I realize my brains came from the infinite. I'm not conceited that I'm richer than you. Why? Because I realize that my, my gifts all come from the infinite. So the more I tune in to the infinite, the more I tune into the world around me, the more humble I am and also the greater I am. Do you see how awesome that is? It's, it's sort of, we, we, we think that it's just opposite. That the, 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 the more I focus on how smart I am and how great I am, the greater I am. That's not true. The more, I, the more humble I am, the more room there is for me to be truly great, right? True greatness is really realizing where my greatness comes from. So the more humble I am, the more I can truly be great. And that's what Moses did for all those years in the wilderness was just talk to God, communicate with God, appreciate God's creation, and thereby have less ego, become more humble, and then achieve true greatness through tapping into the source of his of his greatness. So how do we how do we do that in our lives? If let's say you don't have sheep, how do you become a shepherd? It's very simple. You don't need sheep to go out into the wilderness. There's a a beautiful park near my house. If you was. Did you? So my Instagrams, a lot of them are, are from that park. And, and uh, you go into a park or go into your car. The car is, is almost like, uh, almost as good as sheep, but in a, in a desert. In a car, there's no one there. You can actually talk. And people think you're on the phone, right? So they, they hey, why is that guy talking? Oh, he must be on the phone, right? And you could talk to Hashem. You could th- sing to Hashem. When I drive my, my kids to carpool in the morning, I really try to do it for them, but really for myself as well. Say, thank you, Hashem. And I go through each kid. Thank you, Hashem, for this kid. Thank you, Hashem, for this kid. Thank you, Hashem, for this kid. Thank you, Hashem, they're going to school. Right? Um, th- thank you, Hashem, for... Right? And, and talk 
and communicate with right. the creator. Walk outside, see the trees, say thank you for my health, my eyes, and I could hear, and I'm well fed, and I have a beautiful family, whatever we have. And that is a secret to true greatness. What do you say, Revison? I say, wonderful. I said last night, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed by all the family that I'm around, and I did. I was talking to a friend of mine and she said, can you get some alone time? And I was like, that's such a good idea. You know, of course, like it's a good idea, but you wouldn't think that you deserve it or that you should take it. And I, um, I ended up just having some, a great moment, you know, to myself. And that's when, you know, you can tap in and connect and then you come back to your life and it's a different, it's a different perspective, you know, when you can get you away back and to like, your life really as a full person. Right? We sometimes forget our soul back home. And even when we do alone time, oh yeah, I'm doing alone time and you go into your room and you, you're just on Instagram, not you, but like a person is like, um, I'm checking the news, right? That's not considered alone time. I mean, it is, it is alone time, but you're, you're, not, you're not flexing you. You're not you need to- allowing you to soar. You're not allowing yourself to connect to your source of greatness. Your true greatness, the, the way that your family will benefit the most is if you exist, just like you, we understand that I have to be well-fed and well-rested um, and, you know, and I need to be physically in shape in order to mentor my family. I also need to be spiritually in shape to mentor my family. Yeah. My prescription uh, for anybody who wants a happy, healthy, um, well-balanced life is five minutes a day walking. It doesn't have to be anywhere. Go for five minutes a day around the block, five, seven minutes, depends on what block you live on. But once, once around the block and with no phone, with no phone and just talk to the creator. It sounds crazy. It sounds insane. And it's very Jewish. And even if, you know, you don't have to, Oh, I can't, you know, even if, even if it's, it's something that's foreign to you and it's foreign to a lot of people, but it's really the, 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 the source of our true greatness. That's the message from Moses. How do you achieve true greatness is by getting ourselves out of the way because the more I'm connected to my creator, the less egocentric I am, the more self-centered I am, the more self, the less selfish I am. And then the more I'm able to tap into the source of my greatness. It's counterintuitive because, you know, so the idea of let go and let God, but it's counterintuitive, but it's, but it, but it, but it makes sense because, I'm, I'm minimizing, right? I'm just this body yep. who's here for, you know, 100 years, 120 years, hopefully, right? But eventually this body is going to go on the ground. My true source of greatness is my connection to the creator. I love that. It's so beautiful and so true. Yeah. And, you know, uh, now they have uh, Bidud in Eretz Israel, in Israel. A quarantine is it's called bidud, which always reminds me of hispodudud, which is uh, which is the same thing. Hispodudud is being alone, quarantine. So, so it, it, this just occurred to me now. Perhaps God is forcing us into quarantine. He's saying, "Can we have some conversations? Can you be a shepherd uh, by by uh, sort of uh, uh, minimizing our interactions with people?" Uh, although, thankfully, it's gotten a lot better recently. But in Israel, there's still a lot of quarantining. Um, uh, there is there, there's sort of a an appeal for his from for for us to quarantine with God and uh, and again if you're uncomfortable talking to God just be grateful you could just say thank you for my eyesight thank you that for my hearing for my family and for my for my whatever whatever it is and and just 
getting outside of our our body. That's the idea. Getting and so that's a lesson from Moses. How do we achieve true greatness to be able to uh, save the entire Jewish nation and really the entire world uh, to uh, to to achieve such incredible greatness? You got to be a shepherd, and uh, you don't have to have sheep to be a shepherd, but uh, to take the time to appreciate life, connect to your whole self, not just your body, but connect to your whole self. What do you say, Robinson? I say it wonderful. I love it. Let's go be shepherds.